What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing great and having a wonderful day. Today's Super Bowl Sunday. I don't know if you're an NFL football fan or not, but I know our family will be watching the game and cheering and cheering loud. And I just, I love the fact that we get to come to church and worship our God and who he is. I know a lot of times I, I'm like, would I cheer as loud for Jesus as I do when there's a touchdown? And, and so that's the type of church that we want to be. You know, we want to be cheering and worshiping the Lord and, and glorifying him because the Holy Spirit is moving. He's powerful in our lives. That's so awesome and so amazing. And so if you're new to Grace Church, thanks so much for coming. If you're tuning in online for the first time, thanks so much for being a part of us. And, and you, you came to visit our church or check us out during a really great time. Uh, right now we're in the middle of a building project, and so we're so excited about that. In fact, we have a few aerial pictures that we want to share with you. I don't know if you've been by the site recently, but the, the foundation is... is, is you know, looking great, and they're starting to put the what I call the red iron up. You know, so that's the steel that'll be the for the walls and the and the roof. And so there's lots and lots of activity going on, lots of work every single day. The incredible progress now. Just so it's amazing. I get texts from so many of you throughout the week, like, "Oh, I went by. It's great. It looks awesome." And so we're going to continue to just celebrate what God is doing and what our future has. You know, as far as timeline, you know, it looks to be somewhere around the summer. Uh, so they say if things go fast, it'll be end of June, maybe July, possibly August if we hit some delays or some rain or that type of thing. Uh, so we just have to, have to recognize that. But we're so excited. I mean, literally, we are months away from having our first uh, per permanent facility. So we're so excited about that. So I, I, um, I, as a... As a result of our new vision statement that we you know, laid out over the, the, this last month, we are taking a step forward uh, with a new series for the month of February, and we're calling it The Art of Neighboring. Uh, what, what does it mean to, to be a neighbor? So I know all of us probably have neighbors. Maybe you have good neighbors. Maybe you have bad neighbors. You know, you, you maybe have a neighbor like this where they don't have a fence that they painted, and you maybe suggested that they would paint a fence. And they say, hey, just FYI, this is what I did, and I decided to paint my fence. You're welcome. You know, so they put a sign that they showed you that they wanted to, to paint their fence, or maybe they got the letter from the HOA, or, or maybe you're, you have a neighborhood watch, you know, in your neighborhood, and you've got one of those people that are, they're a little creepy. You know, you got some creepy neighborhood watch people that, like, they're walking around, and they, and they got binoculars, though. Like, they're trying to check, they're going, whoa, like, this is a whole nother level of neighborhood watch. Like, they, like close my curtains kind of thing. Or, or maybe you, you have, you know, a neighbor that has dogs. You know, I, I, maybe your dog, the neighbor's dog is trying to, like, go through the fence. I know I have a neighbor like that. I literally think that their dog hopes that the fence goes down when he tries to eat me. You know, just every, like, when I go in the backyard, I swear that dog wants to eat me, and, and he thinks about it, probably dreams about that. And one day, he's hoping that that fence will go down, you know, and, and so I don't know what, what it's like for you uh, with, with the neighbors that you have, or what type of neighbor are you to them? And so we want to talk about that. A little bit, because I have a, a, an across-the-street neighbor, uh, great guy, he, he loves to do woodworking, he actually does it kind of as a side job, and he sells some stuff, and he, he just is, is really good, super talented, you know, like, I'm jealous of people like that, if you're one of those people where you can, you know, take a piece of wood and make it this amazing piece of art, uh, that's the type of person that he is, so he's a former military man, uh, very much devoted to his family. He has a, a daughter that has some health issues, and he has a son who's in college and stuff. And, and so the reason I tell you about him is because he's, he's one of my circle of five. You know, over these last several months here at Grace Church, we, we laid out this idea and the understanding that we can have five people in our circle that don't yet know Christ or aren't close to the Lord, and, 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 and we need to be praying for 
And so just FYI, if you move into my neighborhood, you might get a big spiritual target on your back. I'm um, just saying if, you're, if you move in near my house, you might be one of my spiritual five. But I love that guy. I love him. I talk to him. I encourage him. You know, he knows what I do for a living, and, and, and so we, but we talk. Like, I, he, that, that's the art of neighboring. What does it look like? He's in my circle. God put him there for a reason, and I'm in it. And I'm so glad. I'm so excited about that. Because when you talk about the art of neighboring, I want to share just a great verse in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse, for, verse 14. It says, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And so what this is, is this is Paul, the apostle, writing to the church in Galatia, but he's quoting Jesus. He's saying, hey, Jesus gave us this command. If you were to take all the laws in the whole Old Testament, the one that sums every single one up, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so when you look at relationships that we have in our life, the, our, our activity involvement in the community, it is extremely important what type of neighbor we are and what we're doing, I, I like our connection with others. And so the, the first point I want to share with you in this message, in, in the understanding of, of the art of neighboring, is that we need to find common ground. And that's the title of this message. It's common ground. We've got to find common ground with other people. Because when you look at just the, the, the globe and, and the planet, we are the only species, and I'm including animals in this, we're the only species on the planet that isolate themselves when they're hurt or threatened. We're the only ones. So like, let me just give you an example in the animal kingdom. You know, when the lion is moving in toward the herd of zebras, the, the zebras don't run off and hide. They actually get closer together. Because God gave them stripes, and the reason for the stripes is to confuse the lion so he can't pick one out. But if one single zebra takes off and is, and is, is concerned and, and goes to be by itself, that's easy prey for the lion. And so we've got to recognize that there's power in numbers, isn't there? God gave you and I uh, relationships in our life so we can have the, that community that we long for and desire because when we isolate ourselves, we're more vulnerable to the enemy's attack in our life. And so we can find common ground. We can have that community that we long for. It talks about this in the book of Acts. Uh, in, in chapter 2, verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And so that's what we're doing as a church. You know, we come together and, and we listen to a message based on God's word. We, we sing worship songs and, and connect with the Lord. We pray and, and, and we're, we're sharing meals. We, ta we take communion and, and we're in a time of prayer and fasting. And so we're trying to up the game a little bit. And so we can be living in relationships with their, our church family, with the body of Christ. It's so vitally important. So we need each other. And so I want to share something. One of the things that just grieves my heart is when the church turns against itself. You know, in, in Scripture it says that, there's, that, that a house divided can't stand. And it just, it, it makes me, it just, it tears my heart apart when the church turns inward and begins to fight against itself. Because we already have an enemy. We already do. And he's trying to take us out and do anything that he can to, to cause us to be distracted or fall into temptation and sin. But when one church fights against another church, like that, that's friendly fire. And, and so we, we just, we have to recognize that if it's going on. Or when people within one church are turning against each other 
instead of building up and encouraging like we're, like we're called to in Scripture. And so we should have friends inside of church, people that we like, that we're excited to see, and we should have friends outside of church. Maybe they're your direct neighbors. Maybe there's somebody at work. But we're certainly not supposed to isolate ourselves from what I call normal people. You know normal people. Uh, Hopefully you're not one of normal people. So normal people, to me, are the people that are in our community or they're our neighbors, and they don't yet know Jesus. They're normal. They, They don't have Christ as the center of their life. In Scripture, it calls them lost, but the Bible was written for, for Christians. It was written for us to read so we can understand Christ and follow after him. So I, when, when I meet somebody, and I'm talking to them, and I'm trying to find common ground, I don't tell them, hey, you're lost. Like, I don't say that, because they would look at me, and they're like, no, I'm not. I'm right here, and you're weird. Like, that, that's what will happen. You know, that's how that conversation goes. And, and so I call them normal. Like, they're normal people. And so you and I, if we follow after Christ, we're weird. We should be weird. We should look a little bit different than other normal people that are in our community. And that's the way it's supposed to be. We should not be blending in with culture oftentimes the way that we think we want to. We want to, oh, I just, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to say anything that steps on their toes. I don't want to be that guy. Well, I got news for you. Christ in your life makes you that guy, the, the one like, oh man, he's always talking about Jesus, he's always talking about his church, he, like we should be a little bit weird. Now, I'm not saying be weird, weird, I'm just saying be a weird for Jesus, you know, does that make sense? Um, but we should be influencing darkness with the light that God puts inside of us, and, and we, we should have that, and so we're the ones, we should be the catalyst inside of our community, in our city, in our county, in our region, in positions of authority and leadership, we get this incredible opportunity to be a catalyst for the Lord in those positions and influence those that are around us. So this is something I'm very passionate about. So several years ago, God kind of exposed something to me where, you know, I, like I was trying to be like cool pastor. You know, you know what I'm talking about where I'm just like, you know, I want to be cool. I, wanna, I want everyone to like me. Uh, and, and, and so part of that was I was struggling with my identity and some things, the way I saw myself, I didn't realize I was already adopted in. And so I, was, I needed to deal with some of that in my identity. But God showed me some things. He gave me basically a vision for my influence. And this was so cool to me. It was very revelatory where basically what I started doing is I would walk into places in the community, whether it's a restaurant or the grocery store or the library or whatever, and I would walk into those places and I'd be like, Pastor Aaron's here. I I would walk into a restaurant and say, hey, y'all, Pastor Aaron is here. And so, and the reason I needed to start doing, now I didn't literally do that, because that would be weird, weird. So I, like, I, I literally, I mean, can you imagine, like, I'm walking into the library, and I'm going, man, Pastor Aaron is here. People are there, and they're in my community, and God put me here, and Pastor Aaron is here to be with them. So why would God put that on my heart? And he began to reveal and peel back some stuff that I needed to deal with, and what it was is I need to have the understanding that I'm called to pastor my entire community. All of them, this entire region, I'm called and placed as a pastor to look at every single person with a pastoral filter 
that God put in my life, and that's my calling. Now, I need you, and I would love for you to see yourself the same way. Now, I realize you may not have a pastoral calling the same way I do, but I'll tell you what. God puts you here on purpose for a reason to, to realize that, that, we, that he wants to use us in an incredible way. You might not be called to be a pastor, but I'll tell you what. You're called to, to share the love of Christ with other people in this community and your neighbors and to look a little bit different. And so people are longing for connection. They're desiring it more than ever, more now than ever before. And we've got to recognize that. And so I want to give you just an example of scripture uh, of what the art of neighboring and finding common ground might look like. So it, I want to use the, the passage of the feeding of the 5,000. I don't know if you're familiar of, with this one or not, but let me give you a little bit of a background. So Jesus is teaching. His ministry is active. There, he is healing people. There's signs and wonders taking place. I mean, dead people are, are rising back to life. Demons are being cast out. Paralytics are, are standing up for the, for the first time in their li life, and, and it's just amazing. And so his popularity is growing. And so there are literally thousands and thousands of people that wake up every day and go, where is Jesus? I'm going to where he is. I want to follow him. And they were in and around, so he was super popular. So let's take a look at Matthew 14, starting in verse 15. It says, that evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages to buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. So Jesus took the five loaves, the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. And so there's several things that I want to pull out in this passage of Scripture. One, quite simply, is that they sat in the grass. That thousands of people are literally having a picnic with Jesus on the mountainside. That's actually kind of cool. We need more picnics in our life. And so, but who did they sit with? When they sat down, when Jesus is like, hey, it's dinner time. I got buffet coming. I call Uber Eats. Like, they're coming in. Here we go. Like, who did they sit down with? I mean, they probably sat down with the ones that they came with, right? Isn't that how it works? Maybe they, they came with their neighbor. They're like, hey, we're going to go, go see, listen to Jesus today, and, and we found out where he is. You want to come? They probably sat down with some of their friends and family, you know, maybe a mother-in-law, a sister-in-law, you know, cousins, and, and they probably sat down with strangers too. I mean, think about it. Put yourself in that scenario, I mean, we're talking, that this is the party. This is thousands of people that are hanging out, listening to Jesus teach. I mean, so cool and amazing. He's like, hey, go ahead and sit down. So they all sit down. Who did you sit next with? Right? Probably some strangers too. Well, when we're having a meal, we're, we're not just like stuff in our face. We're talking to, or we're engaging in conversation, you know, with, with the people around us. So what were they talking about? They probably were talking about the miraculous fish and bread, no doubt, I mean, are you kidding me? Did you see that? Did, like, literally, they keep bringing more and more. Where, where is it coming from? That's probably one of the things that they're talking about. You and I have done this all the time. We do this often. It, let's say you walk into a function. 
Maybe it's a seminar, maybe it's a, a business breakfast, or, or, or some type of conference room, or some training, or you go into some place at work, and you don't know anyone. Maybe you're, you're walking around with food court or whatever, you, you, you don't know anybody there. And so what do you do? You start looking for somebody that you have something in common with. Right? You look for somebody to have some type of connection with at a wedding reception or whatever. And so you're a construction worker and she's a ballerina, but you both like college football, so that's your common ground. Like you could tell, like you're, they're cheering for their team or they, they like it or it comes up mentioned or they have their shirt on or their jersey. You may have 1% in common and 99% not, but that's common ground when you have something that you both enjoy. And so because of that, you may not have very much in common, but because of the environment, because of that common ground, what happens? You become quick friends, don't you? You're sitting in that training with that person, and you're like, hey, we're in this together. Like, this is terrible, and this is awful. Like, eight hours, oh my gosh. Like, and so you're kind of commiserating together. That happens all the time. And so the thing that's beautiful is, when we're in that scenario and we're trying to find commonalities with other people, we don't worry so much about our differences, do we? Could there be a greater gap between a construction worker and a ballerina? I don't think so. And yet, if, we, if they both went to the same college or both cheer for that same team, they're buddies. Like, they're hanging out. Like, toe shoes and work boots. Like, are you kidding me? Like, they're there. And they're not offended by the differences that they have in each other's lives. But here's what happens. The closer we get back to home, or the closer we get back to our house or our normal life, what happens is we get more restrictive on the people that we spend time with. That's so true, because if we're in a scenario where we feel uncomfortable, we're grasping for anybody, 1%. You have 1% in common with me, because I, like, I want to be with you. I need to be with somebody that I have some familiarity with, something, anything. But when we get back to home turf, we get a little bit more particular, don't we? Mm, I, I don't need to spend time with them. I can block them for a little while. Here's why I share this. Like, we absolutely have a choice. We have a choice with who we spend time with, but we tend to gather with those that we have similarities with. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the art of common ground, uh, or I'm sorry, the art of neighboring is finding common ground. Even with those that we have very little in common with, you can find something with somebody. Now, I'm going to share just from my life. Nicole actually says that I'm really good at this, and, and I, I have to admit, I am. And, and so I am really good at this, and here's why. I actively try. I walk into the grocery store, Pastor Aaron's here. Who's in the bread aisle? Like, you want to talk? Like, I got something going on. We're doing a building. We're doing prayer and fasting. Oh, you're picking that kind of bread? And so, like, I'll talk to them. Hey, why did you pick that? Like, what are you making? And I'll just ask something like that, just a simple question. Why? Like, I'm actively trying. What, what, what is it? What, what do you like about that? I just ask questions to people. I'm not trying to pry, and I don't get nosy and stuff. And, and when I can tell they're in a rush, man, I, I back off and stuff. But I, I'll take that initial step 
to try and find common ground. One, because I'm curious, like, what are they eating? I, want, I might want some of that. But then also, I care. I care about you and you and the, the people I haven't met yet in our community. The strangers that I bump into, I care about them. Like, when I pray for my community, they're in my community. They might be in my neighborhood. I love them. They're amazing to me. And so I care about them. I care about their family. I care about how work's going for them. I maybe never met them before. But if right now their business is struggling because of a pandemic, I, I just, I grieve with them. I hurt. And I understand. And I might buy something from their store or whatever because I want to support them. But I absolutely care 100% if they know Jesus or not. And, and I, that's what I'm getting to. You know, I, I, you might pick out a certain bag of chips, and I'm talking about that, but man, I'm, I'm going straight for Jesus any chance I get. What do you, I love when people ask me what I do for a living. I can't wait till they get to that question. So I start with it. Hey, what do you do for a living? Because then they're obligated to ask me. And man, doors just wide open. I'm like, man, I'm a pastor. Pastor Aaron is here. What can I pray for you for? Like, I just, I'm just excited about that. And, and please understand my heart in this. You know, if, if you're more of an introvert, I am not trying to make you feel bad or make you feel uncomfortable or cause you to struggle in your life because, you know, you, you struggle to make good friends or what. Like, I am not doing that whatsoever. But I do absolutely feel it's important for me to encourage you to look for people in and around your sphere of influence, your circle of five, and find common ground because they are hurting. Maybe they're the one that God put in your life and you never saw it that way and they're hurting, they're desperate, they're struggling. And God's like, I want you to be their friend. <gasps> and we go, oh, I struggle to make friends. Yeah, but you can do this. Step outside of yourself and allow me to work through you. The reason they're in your life is because they need relationships just like we do. And if you're a Christ follower, you have the number one best relationship with our Heavenly Father. And maybe they don't. And they're looking around for answers. And you got them. And they need it. And so we can't just hold this in for ourselves. Uh, and maybe, just maybe, God wants to use you in that person's life. You know, as a Christ follower, we, we put Jesus out there as our model. And Jesus was really good at this. I mean, I, there aren't many things that Jesus wasn't good at, but this was one he was really good at. And so one time, um, he was actually confronted by the religious leaders because he was so good at making friends. I mean, one time they were confronting him and they were talking about John the Baptist and John the Baptist's disciples and, and they were talking about Jesus and Jesus' disciples and what they did and what they didn't do. And, and then Jesus actually mentioned in a conversation what they were accusing him of being. Here's the verse. It's Luke chapter 7, verse 34. They were accusing him of being a friend. Everybody say friend. Friend. Jesus was a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. A friend. He was legit. He was a good guy. He hung out with them. He spent time. He cared about their family and their family business. He was a friend 
of tax collectors that everybody else despised and saw them as traitors and sinners that the religious people didn't want to have anything to do with. That's who Jesus hung out with. And I am so thankful that he hung out with broken people just like us, just like you and I. Because at one point in time, I was normal, and then I became a little bit weird when I got introduced to Christ, and now I try and live for him, and Jesus hangs out with people that are normal, and he becomes friends with them. And he was asked, hey, Jesus, why do you have so many normal friends? Here's what he said in Matthew 9, verse 12. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. And he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices, for I have come to call those who, not, who think that they are not righteous, but those who, are, those who know they are sinners. Boy, I butchered that one, didn't I? So he hung out with normal people, but he didn't adopt their lifestyle. This is so important for us. In 1 Corinthians 15, do you know why? Because bad company corrupts good character. We know this. We've heard this. Your grandma told you this. Hey, honey, you got to be careful who you hang out with. And so we learned this. This was taught to me. We teach this to our sons. Because we usually begin to look like those we spend the most time with. Jesus wasn't like that. He was light in the midst of darkness. He was the good shepherd amongst the sheep. Like, we've got to recognize this. And so if you are becoming a little bit more like the people that you're hanging out with and they're more normal and you're claiming Christ, there's an issue there. There should be some rub. There should be some conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to, like, speak to you teenagers. Like, teenagers, it's okay to be a little bit different. It's okay to stand out. You know, and I'm not talking about, like, hair and clothes and stuff. I'm talking about because of who you are and who you spend time with you got to be selective on who you bring into your inner circle and close that, that you're connected with. And college students, same thing. You know, th- those of us that are parents that have student, uh, kids that are college age, like we're scared to death to send you off to college. Like scared because of what might happen to you, like just the craziness and the, and the things that are going on and how that, that lifestyle might influence you in a negative way. And it's pulling you away from Christ instead of, you, instead of causing you to be more like him. And if you're a young adult, like you're, you're new at a job or you're new in a community, you're looking. You're like, I, I need friends. I got to make some friends. I just moved here, took a job. That's awesome. I'm so excited. I don't know anybody. So where is it, you know, that you're connecting with people and friends? So I, like be selective on those that you allow speak into your life and be very open to the ones that God is putting you in their life for you to speak to them. There's a big difference between those two scenarios. So like the ones that are in our lives that are speaking to us, that, th- those are the ones in our connection group. Those are the ones in our church. Those, those are the ones that are holding us accountable. Those are our tight relationships, the ones that we lean on when we're struggling. And Jesus said this also in John 15, 16. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that my Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. Now, we love that last part of the verse. Like, whatever I pray for, God's going to give me. But here's the deal. What he wants us to understand is, I need you to go and produce lasting fruit. 
That's what I'm calling you to, something bigger, something greater, something than more than just what you want and what you're praying for and hoping for. I want you to literally have reproduction in your life where it's happening and you're discipling other people. That's what we're called to do when we have the light. We're to give the light and share it with other people and encourage them, be around them. So I got to ask you, like, I love you. I'm your pastor. Where's the fruit in your life? Who are you discipling right now? Who are you tight with that they don't yet know Christ or they're a new Christian or, or they're in your circle of five? Who are they? Are you, are, are, is there fruit as a result of your life? Or are you just sitting on your hands? And so I, I hope this is a challenge. I hope it's an encouragement. Like the art of neighboring and finding common ground and, and taking you know, steps forward in our relationships. Because this, this thing that we call Christianity, it gets messy. It gets very messy in our lives. Like the, there's a lot of gray areas. There's a lot of boundary lines. There's a lot of things that we hope to do, want to do, people. and what. And, but man, I'll tell you what. When God is moving in our life, heaven comes down and he is using us to impact other people. When we give towards those that are in need, when we relate with a person that's hurting and show empathy and pray for them, when we connect with a person that feels lonely, that's heaven coming down through us in their life. When we forgive others, your spouse, your parents, your brothers and sisters, when we do that, that is the Lord just showering his grace and goodness in our lives. And so the art of neighboring is extremely necessary. And finding common ground is essential for us in our life. Because you're the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And so let your light shine. And so as you take this message and you understand the art of neighboring, and you, you take steps forward in finding common ground, Here's what I want to ask. Who are you going to bless tomorrow? Because I'll tell you what, God is absolutely going to put somebody in your life, in your path. And so what I'm going to pray as we close in just a minute is that you and I would have eyes to see and ears to hear and have the understanding of who that person truly is and how God sees them. And that we would take a step out and find common ground because God wants to use you in such a powerful way if you'll take that step forward. So who are you going to bless tomorrow? Put a, put a spiritual bullseye on somebody and be praying for them and looking for opportunities to find common ground. Now, if you're new to Grace Church or you haven't been in church for a little while, I mean, like I'm, I'm talking a lot about Jesus. I'm talking about you know, light in, in our community, being you know, that type of person, showing love towards others. Here's what I, I need you to understand. This isn't something that we do in and of ourselves. Like we can't manufacture that. Because for us in our lives, like we are sinners. You know, I, I, like we have struggles in our life. And I'm selfish and I'm self-absorbed. And so God's got to do something in me so he can use me in other people's lives. So if you're at the point right now where you have not yet made Jesus number one in your life, this is going to be a battle for you. If you're at the point in your life where, where you aren't really connected with the Lord as intimately as you know you should be, then, then this is the opportunity where we turn things around, where we get our relationship back right in following Christ. Then he works through us because we can't get that out of order. If we do, then, then like it's, it's the hypocrisy inside of us that, that people see instead of the humility 
and the desire to bring healing and restoration. They're going, well, who do you think you are? You got all these major problems. Yes, I have major problems and I'm working through them. And so God, do something in me right now so that I can be used by you, so that I could be a pure vessel for you to funnel, to channel your spirit through. And so that's my heart and my prayer. If, if you don't yet know Christ, you need him. Uh, he truly is God's son. He truly did die on a cross. I know we go, oh, that was thousands of years ago. Yeah, but people are still talking about it. Isn't that amazing? And people's lives are being changed. Like my life was changed. And, and maybe you know some people, their life was changed as a result of following Christ. There will be no better decision that you could make than to turn your life over to Christ. Because all the problems and the issues and the guilt and the shame that you have and that, that you feel like, like just oppressed by all jesus takes all of that to the cross and we leave it as at his feet and now we can follow after him passionately and move forward through the power of the holy spirit there is nothing better than that and so maybe you're at the point now where you know you need jesus you, you or you know you got to put him back at number one if you're going to find common ground or or be used in a powerful way we have got to have jesus as the primary focus of our life so if you guys here in the auditorium if you would do me a favor go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes and i need you to just do some self-analysis right now when you look at your life is jesus number one are you 100 percent sold out for christ and what he wants to do in your life because if not there there needs to be a shift there needs to be a change and it's us taking that step forward to him he loves us. He died for us. And he brings forgiveness in our life. But we've got to take that step forward to him. And so if that's you, you're like, I need Jesus. I would just ask that you would put your hand up right now. Go ahead and slip it up. No, nobody's looking around. You're like, hey, I need it. It's a big deal and I get it. Thank you so much. Go ahead and put it up. I, I need Jesus as the primary person in my life. Anybody else, just go ahead and put up. Nobody's looking around. If, you, if you're at home or you're watching online somewhere, man, that you can respond to this as well. Do you need Christ? And so if you do and you acknowledge that, I, I just want you to pray along with me. And this is a simple prayer. There's nothing magic about my words, but I want you to pray along with me because God is looking at our heart right now. And so you pray. Maybe you say something like this. Say, God, I know I need you. Jesus, thank you for laying your life down for me. I receive you into my life. I, I want to commit to follow you. I'm desperate for you. Would you please forgive me of my sins and the things that I've done? I am so sorry for all that stuff. Would you remove my guilt and my shame? Lord, would you replace that with your grace and humility? Lord, that I would follow after you. Lord, give me passion and boldness for you so Jesus I put you at the, at the front of my life and I want to follow you passionately and Father I also want to pray just a blessing over all of us Lord I ask that you would empower us through your spirit to live this out Lord that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word that we would be doers as well Lord there's, there is fruit that needs to come as a result there is discipling there is conversations there is prayer Lord, there, there are people we need to lay our hands on and pray for as a result of this message. Lord, there's people we need to have a conversation with and love on them and encourage them. 
Lord, we delight in you. And so all of this is to bring glory to you, to honor you, to bless you. Lord, that your kingdom might advance. It is not us building a kingdom for ourselves, but it is you using us to build a kingdom or to help build a kingdom for you. That you would use us in powerful ways. Lord, we glorify you. We lift you up. We worship you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.